In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Folks, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio tonight. I have with me Austin the uh, <laughs> I have with me Gary the Stud. That is me. And I am Bob Crispin, your host. Wow. So we are back in a rare form because we can't help ourselves. It's post-COVID. Well, it's not even really post-COVID. It's like mid-post-COVID. I don't even know how to pronounce Half- that anymore. Halfway to the end. And We're not social distancing here. I can't social distance. I can't help myself. Uh, well, we're kind of socially distanced, I don't know, say. sort of in our own little way. Uh, <laughs> we are, we're going to cover several things tonight. We're going to talk about a Spider-Man Sinister Six fan poster that came out uh, not too long ago. We're going to talk about what could have been in The Rise of Skywalker. And then we're going to talk about a Mandalorian theory that only further propels my theory behind the end of The Mandalorian. And then we're going to take a break, and we'll come back after the break, and we're going to discuss the last episode of Season 1 of The Mandalorian. That's right, just in time for you to go watch Season 2 of The Mandalorian, because by the time this gets done and gets edited, that's when it'll come out. (laughs) So it'll be just in time for you to find out our thoughts on the last episode of the last season. Okay, so let's get to it. So, uh, do we know the date of this article? It came out three days days ago. ago. Wow, as of the day we're recording this. Which would be the 25th of September, so let, we'll be timing me to see how quick I can get editing uh, them. 23rd of September. Right, so the, the, there was a illustrator, Jack Kasparaz, I think is how you pronounce it, or Kasparaz's. Pardon to the artist. Kasparaz. We're, we're not good at name pronunciation. If Eric were here, he would be killing me and probably beating <laughs> me over the head. Uh, he decided to put out a fan poster of what could be the next Spider-Man film. Now, there's a lot of rumors surrounding the next Spider-Man film and one of the biggest rumors has always been that there's a strong possibility that for the first time we're going to see the Sinister Six. And notice I'm saying for the first time, because I don't consider the aberration, uh, I don't know what to call it, looked like goobers on the wall 
uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 that supposedly had the Sinister Six. They were all six, mech suits. Which That's were fans total were crap. The fans' uh, issues were as many of the characters were mech I'll tell you suits. what the like fans' the issues were. It was crap. <laughs> because the Rhino was not the Rhino. Sorry. It uh, so tank. It was stupid. Uh, you agree with me on that, right, Gary? I know you do. <laughs> Gary's Come offended on. by anything there, Spider-Man related. There, there's only one Spider-Man I like, and it's um, this guy here. Uh, whatever his name is. Tom Holland? Tom yeah. Holland's. Yeah. I have to agree. He's, he's palatable as yes. Spider-Man. I'll he's do not, that. Uh, uh, other than that, I hate Spider-Man. <laughs> so this is an interesting poster. I, I'm going to I'm gonna flip over to our screenshots. I try not to do this because YouTube loves to <laughs> throttle us for doing this. So hopefully they won't. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Here's what the poster looks like. I'm just going to show you guys a minute. And the caption says that we're going to see an iron spider suit flanked on all sides by the members of the six. Now, here's what Capper says says he sees as the six. This is a dream poster, okay? This is not actually happening. This is a fan-made poster. It's not for real. Let me say it again. It's not for real. Okay. So John Cena as Sandman, he's down here in the bottom right corner, which actually when he said that, I was kind of like, I could I could picture that, I, that I, I can saw, see. I had saw a photo in a different post that showed a Sandman drawn by himself. Right. And he had different hands. And one of them, uh, he had a brick. One of them, he had a chair. Yep. So I'm sitting there going... Is he going to do a wrestling move with the chair? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Matthew McConaughey as the Green Goblin, which it looks like to be the center right person here. Uh, that's an interesting choice, McConaughey. My only concern is, is he going to try to sell? What's the cars he's selling Lexus. now? Like, yeah, is he going to try to sell those as the Green Goblin? Uh, Javier Bardem as Dr. Octopus. Now, I don't know who Javier Bardem is. Uh, he, he's an interesting look for a Dr. Octopus. Kind of, kind of a, I don't know, the, uh, I guess, midlife crisis Dr. Octopus. He, he, if, if you be honest, he looks a little bit more like the one out of the video game that came out for the kind PS4. Of, yeah. Although uh, a little bit older. Top left, they've got Aaron Paul as Electro. It's kind of an interesting look for Electro. A little more... Um, Tech-related. Techie, yeah. Jason Momoa as Craven the Hunter. When when my son told me about that, I'm like, dude! Like, if there could be a, you know, perfect Craven the Hunter... The only thing... I think Momoa could do it. I it, mean, seriously. Doesn't he have an accent like he's, um... Uh, Dude, he's an actor. He can make anything happen. I know happen. he can make an accent. I just want to see him he do He can make anything happen. And <laughs> he, Michael Mando as Scorpion on the bottom left. Which you really don't see much of his face except his freaking mouth. Because that's the way it is. But Scorpion actually is that. I way. understand that, but you're saying he's saying that's what it so, uh, the person looks like. You didn't yeah. Get it. <laughs> okay. The guy's name? It's Scorpion. Or Michael Mando. Michael Mando. Michael Mando. Uh, He's under, under the helmet. Uh, uh, you yeah, can't yeah, tell yeah. it. That's the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me ask you guys. Uh, you know, uh, you know, looking at this Sinister Six, which one do you like the most of those six? Like, which I, one screams to you, yes, I hope that happens? Can I be tied for two? Yeah, go ahead. Ironically, it's the it's Momoa and Cena. You think Momoa and Cena are like the two you'd love to see like that? As much as the Tobey Maguire Sandman was interesting... Cena seems to have, I don't know, like, the chiseled jaw that, I don't know, it's something out of the comic books. I remember Sandman having, like, this very chiseled face, but also looking kind of sad okay. at the same time. Like, he was like, and then, of course, Momoa, because he's got that freaking beard, and he just looks like, when you put fur around him, he looks he looks cool. Okay. Gary, which one would you say is the one that you're like, yeah, that's right on? Green, the, everybody in that picture. Green Goblin. Green Goblin? You yeah. like the Green Goblin best? Yeah. Yep. Would McConaughey it, make a good Green Goblin? I, I, I think he would. Okay. Momoa, yes, he looks cool. 
I'll, I'll admit that, but highly doubtable. So my favorite one would have to be of of the six of them. Actually, I at first I was kind of like you know Jason Momoa, yeah. But I'm at now. That I'm looking at it. I like their version of Doctor Octopus. Actually, like it's kind of screaming at me, going, "Yeah, that's like almost like dead on the way I would want to see but it." How are they doing it? Are they going to do Doctor Octopus is paralyzed, so he has to use all legs to walk around? I don't know. Or is I he guess that's walk depends. around with both with the legs being able to do whatever. I guess the hell it all pleases. depends on like how they're going to portray that. I don't know. That'll be interesting to see. Again, this is all theorizing. I mean, we don't even know the Sinister Six is going to be in the next Spider-Man it, film. It, it, okay, it, it, if, it, if, I, if I was going to put John Cena in a Marvel movie, yeah, I'd make him the, the USA agent or whatever it is. That, oh, USA agent? Yeah, the, yeah, but unfortunately he's already been cast. Did USA you know that? Yes. Okay, because he's, he's going to show up in Winter Soldier, USA agent is. Which everything from the timeline you just said today have been pushed back. Yeah, we can talk about that in a minute, too. But, but what I'm saying is the, the the West Coast Avengers Captain America is what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, the black version of him? Is the, that what you're... The, the darker blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That that, that guy. Yeah. That, that's what I'd put John Cena as. Yeah, I could see that because he's big and buff, and that's what... Well, he's got the chiseled yeah. chin and right, everything right. that awesome was saying. Yeah. Which, in all honesty, he should be playing the Invisible Man. <laughs> so he's there, but not there? No. Can't see me. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I only know a little bit about wrestling, and I know what that is. Okay. So, uh, now, now with Norman Osborn or Green Goblin, whatever you want to call him, there. Yeah. He kind of looks more like he's a scroll agent. I was thinking yeah. that too. Yeah. Scroll. He's also got the the look of the armor from um, Avengers. There. What was the race that invaded? Um, the Chitari. Chitari, yeah. yeah. He's got a Chitari armor look to it, uh, which is kind of interesting. Which, you know? which, if you remember right, in the one Spider-Man movie, their, uh, Vulture was... Uh, yeah, he was uh, recycling Chitari armor. Right. Yeah, yeah so that, that would be kind of an interesting way to play that off. Um, you know, if if maybe Green Goblin were part of that race, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm not saying he's part of that race, but maybe, 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 maybe he was experimenting with the, the stuff there, and he became... Yeah, like, maybe like, maybe got inspiration from Chitari type no, stuff. No, he got the uh, the virus, the scroll. Oh, DNA mixed with him. Right, kind of similar to Agents of Shield with the Kree thing and right. the Chitari virus that caused them people to yes, electrocute and die. So you know, an interesting idea. I I, I just find it interesting because right now I kind of feel like. Marvel all of a sudden has shifted into neutral. Have you guys kind of noticed that? And I'm like getting, actually, I'm actually getting a little concerned. This week they actually announced they're pushing back the Black Widow film. If you guys didn't know that, they're pushing it back now till 2021, May 4th, May 5th, something like that. Basically, it looks like it's going to be free comic book day of 2021, which means now the Eternals are getting pushed back to 2021, November. Which means the Shang-Chi movie is getting pushed back into April of 2022. How much of this is because of COVID? It's all because of COVID because they do not want to release Black Widow. They have said, Disney has adamantly said they are not releasing Black Widow strictly on Disney+. Plus. They are putting it in a theater, but they're waiting for all the theaters to be open. And the problem they have is, in some states, theaters are open and are presenting movies. And a lot of states, including ours, we live in New York, by the way, for those people who don't know... Uh, the theaters are not open. They're not open yet. And so, and, so and, and Cuomo be, has no plans on opening any theater anytime soon. Zero. So it might not be Zero. 
they got shifted to neutral, they got pulled the the emergency brake on them because they can't I do get anything. It. I get it. And all of Hollywood right now is kind of on like a big old emergency brake, but uh, I get worried that the excitement's going to get lost somewhere in amongst all this, you know? Well, to, to me, it's, it's doom for any movie that gets pushed back that far. Yeah. I don't care if it's COVID-related or right. reshoots or whatever. It needs to come out on time, and if they can't put it out on time, then put it out on Disney Plus, like they did Mulan and everything else. But the biggest problem is they're looking at the dollar signs. Well, here's the problem with Mulan, and I can tell you why. The, I'll tell you why they're running scared right now. They put Mulan out there, it, and it bombed on Disney Plus because, quite honestly, and this is where I'm like, you're not comparing his apples and oranges here. It bombed on Disney Plus, but my issue with Mulan is it's kind of a crud film, from my understanding. Uh, it's I've nothing, nothing like the musical. I've heard no good things about it at all. I've heard everybody hates it. There's no Mushu. It's nothing like the one it's... that was the cartoon. Yeah. So a lot of people went to this film thinking they were going to see that, and they saw something completely different. And so a lot of people got disappointed, and then it, it very quickly grew online to don't go see it. I was going to say, it and I, it, that's what I've been seeing. I don't seeing. think you're going to get that with Black Widow. But I think their fear is they're not going to make the billions that they the billions would, that yeah. they spent on Black Widow. They need to make their money back to make it worth their while, and they're not going to make that on Disney Plus. Yeah. And so now I think all of Hollywood's reeling because now the question is: first off, do theaters reopen? Uh, already, it's uh, for those who don't know, maybe you don't know Austin, but this has come out that AMC has already said as soon as theaters are okayed to open back up, they're filing bankruptcy. Whoa. They are coming out of the shoot, filing bankruptcy. AMC is right off the bat, which means the only people left is Regal. And isn't and that making a monopoly at that point? I don't know. Is that I, that's the question that's out there? No, it's kind of a, it's not a monopoly because they're just distributors of movies. So technically, no. Plus, you got a lot of like independent small student, like you know. Your mom and pop neighborhood, um, I'm thinking like Brockport, right? Yeah, where you got downtown, your where you got that little theater there, yeah. right? You got, you got all those independents that'll that'll so run those little two screen theaters, right? They don't necessarily have. So that the... doesn't make it a monopoly, but let me tell you, really, on paper, it's a monopoly. And then to me, Regal could really start playing games with the studios. They could be like, "Hey, we're not going to pay that much for your film." Um, so if you want to run Black Widow, we're not paying X Y Z amount of money. You're gonna, we're gonna pay this much, or we're just not gonna run it. Well, and then how are they gonna get it to the public? Yeah, like when the Last Jedi came out, they made Disney made the, the movie theaters put out two or three of the bigger theaters yes. dedicated. Yep, they were just to them. Right, they were actually their top two theaters or their top two, like their two biggest theaters. Mm-hmm. They had to dedicate to uh, different the, sizes. The Rise of Skywalker. I never realized that. I thought yes. the theaters all had the same amount of room and same number of seats and stuff right. like that. So, so if an auditorium fits five hundred people, mm-hmm. and, and the other one fits five hundred people, the other the other ones are two hundred fifty people. Those two big, the oh. two big five hundred oh, theaters right. is the one you had to I, dedicate okay. to that. If I you were thought, unaware, they made them do that. Now, here's the ironic thing. That caused on opening weekend for there to be empty seats during Rise of Skywalker, not because there wasn't a huge audience. There was a huge audience going to but it, not enough, to but not enough to fill thousand uh, a yeah. thousand seats at every showing. See it, what was it, happening is some theaters were doing like five hundred and two fifty, right, and then they'd fill the theater up. 
Right, gotcha. and then they could sell another film at five hundred and two fifty, and sell fill that theater up, and then they're really maximizing their profits. But gotcha. Disney forced them to do this, so yeah, Disney essentially said, "Do it, or we'll, or, or, else. or you won't sell the yeah. film." Right. Wow. So, so now it's the movie theaters turn to go. Uh-huh. I was about to say, you know, now, just, now Disney the shoes on the other foot. Disney Lionsgate, uh, who's the, the Universal, they've been really kind of you know really putting it to the man when it comes to the theaters. Probably in the last decade or so, I would say, really. And now that it's about to reverse on them, I, I don't think the studios are ready for somebody like Regal to say, nope, nope, not doing that. And if we don't do that, your film doesn't go out there. So good luck with all those little mom and pops. But, you ain't, you know, nationally, you're not going to be coming with us. Uh, I, I just don't. That That's, you know. Is there a way that AMC could come back? It could. Potentially it's only, afterwards? It's only filing Chapter 11. Chapter 11 means that they are telling their creditors they can't pay all their bills. And they're not making enough money to basically uh, make a profit. So they're warning those companies that if they don't, basically, if they don't restructure and fix themselves within the next year, they will have to fold the doors. And then basically, if you're, you know, if you have a credit with a company, say like Coca Cola, right? If they owe Coca Cola money, Coca Cola is probably going to settle for pennies on the dollar because anything they can get out of them is better than nothing at that point. Okay. So they have like a year, right, Gary? I think it's a year you have to restructure your Chapter 11. I think so, yeah. And then after that, you're completely, you either got to figure it out and you're, or you can get bought out. You can get bought out by somebody else. Do you think Regal would be so smart to buy out all the AMC theaters and double the number of theaters they have? Or Regal could buy them all out and shut them all down. I don't know. I, we don't know who's thinking what. If you have an AMC theater next to a Regal, that would just turn into a big lot. Well, know. and most of them do. <laughs> you know, they're, they're competitors, um, so. The, this just goes to show one thing that I've been saying right along. What's that? Streaming services is not the way to go. Um, no. I, it, well, I think you're right. I don't. Everybody claims it's the future of movies. Right? I don't think it's the. future I think it's the yet. future of TVs. I do truly believe I, it is the future of TV. I think that's you know you're going to start seeing Winter Soldier, those kinds of shows. Those are going to be a big deal. Yes, yeah. Mandalorian has proven that it is profitable and marginable to do those things. However, for movies, there's a huge caveat behind before I get into the movie thing, there's a huge caveat behind the TV show thing. And, and Disney's learning this right now in order to make serious bucks on a show, a you have to put a ton of money into it first. And every time you do that, you're rolling the dice. And that's a big risk for studios, because sometimes when you roll those dice, it's a loss and it's a major loss. And then you're talking about so dealing you, with Lady Luck. Well, I, not only just dealing with Lady Luck, but now you have to weigh, is it worth the risk? Is it not? Is it worth losing the money? Can you afford to lose your shirt on this? I mean, these are big things that these companies now have to suddenly kind of start questioning, like, does that work or doesn't it? Can that work? Can it? These are big deals. You know, a lot of people don't think it is. It is. It's a big, big deal how this all functions and how it all works. As far as movies, I agree with you, Gary. I think this is the, the for right now, it's the nail in the coffin of the idea that you're going to go online. Yeah, you can't have a home theater and do everything because it's not the same. And it's not cost effective for them. It's not cost effective for them. That's the big thing. Now, do I think Hollywood needs to rethink their cost structure? Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I think they do. I think paying... And I'll tell you where it comes from. I'll tell you where you were about to say it, Austin, I think. Actor union and director's unions costing them... to Costing an actor to be a billion-dollar actor versus it being... Right. ...a couple hundred thousand, maybe... Suddenly... ...maybe 500,000. It shouldn't be... Suddenly, actors are going to have to restructure the way they're thinking about their money. There's not going to be a Hugh Jackman 
you know, $55 million film actor anymore. I just don't see that uh, if, see, if streaming becomes the norm. If that's the way we go, I foresee that you will need to cut costs at the union level, at the actor's level, in order to make some headway. No, what what I see happening is you won't have uh, your Tom Cruise in uh, the, right. next, the next Mission Impossible movie, only for the fact that I can hire JoJo... There from Kokomo down the street, they can d- do the job just as good as Tom Cruise. True, and you could be having more of what uh, classical I, I, filmmakers talk about as one-offs, where it's a film right, that has no right. it has an end. But I see this as a positive. See, now this is where I get excited because to me that says the average Joe Schmo on the streets now going to have a shot at stardom, right? Yeah, and the then, average Joe Schmo on the street has a shot at making a hundred thousand dollars in a film, where another guy would be like, "Oh my gosh, I'd never get paid for that." And the average Joe Schmo who's like, "I'll do that for a hundred thousand." suddenly feels rich you know what i mean like this is where i'm saying like you know there's a trade-off here these multi-million but dollar it might actors also... are kind of ruining it for the actors underneath them to be and honest this, with is, you. this has been my beef about things like that I, I i've been saying this right along too is i'm tired of seeing the same actor yeah and no, no offense to people like samuel l jackson or chris pratt their time in the sun needs to kind of set so that somebody else new can come in no, no, they're not even, not even going where I was going. At. Oh, I was, that's what, uh, I, what I'm going is, is, okay, you got Jason Momoa, he's Aquaman, mm-hmm. all right, why should he jump over in the Marvel and play Kraven the Hunter? Because he'd look badass. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because everybody wants <laughs> no, him. No, I know. I know because everybody saying. wants him to do it. Well, no, I get it. Maybe it's not. Do, I get what you're saying. It's not Momoa's like, job. Idris Elba's been in how many films doing how many different characters with how many different franchises and doing how many different things. And don't get me wrong. I like Idris Elba as a person, as an actor, all that. has It has nothing to do with his color, so please don't come down on me about that one. It, it has everything to do with the fact that Idris Elba's been involved in everything under the sun. And... To me, that's not making accessible for other actors, up-and-comers, right. young actors and actresses who want to make it in the industry but just can't seem to get there. I don't think it's fair for the young actors and actresses to get shuffled to the bottom of the list all the time and watch the same people at the top of the list doing all the same things. That's just not right. And I'm not talking about, like, hey, I took on the role of Captain America, so I'm playing it for 12 films. I'm talking about, like, they're in 12 different franchises doing 12 different characters because they can. But the same genre. Same genre, right, yes. Yeah. All right, because yeah. I, I don't want to see... Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't want to see Jason Momoa as Aquaman and then come over to Marvel and play another Marvel character. Right. And that's so what they're doing. would be the same thing about Jared Leto jumping over to be Morbius. Um, I, I never liked Morbius. that. Okay. I never liked, it, liked, liked the fact that he did that. Like, if Jason Momoa decides to do Aquaman and then he decides to do, I don't know, I'd... Uh, maybe they hire him to play the the Tiger King later on, right? Uh, and, and he manages to pull that off, and it looks great, uh, you know, because they're going to do a live action of the Tiger King. Supposedly they're doing that anyway, by the way. Oh, my um, goodness. So if they, if they hire him for that, great, because it has nothing to do with comic book movies or anything else. It's a completely different genre. But, com- but as soon as you know, he jumps into doing Marvel's Craven, or even I think he kind of crossed the line where you've already done something maybe in another having, franchise. Let again open the pot up for other people to come in and do their I'm, thing. You know, I'm gonna put a it's bad a craft. Idea. It's an art. Let other people be involved in the art. I have a bad idea that I could bring up, but I'm go gonna, ahead, bring it up. Bring what I was gonna say is, is if he chops his head, his beard the right way, he could do saber tooth. There you go. And I'm sitting here saying that would upset Gary because he, he could, it's him jumping around in different genres. And I have to agree with your point of view about things is. New actors cost less money, which means that the films would be able to lose their budget. 
They'd be able to well, lose, not their, lose budget. their budget. They'd be they, able to balance their budgets. Yeah, that's what I right? mean. Like say. when you've got Tom Cruise, what's Tom Cruise going for now? 105 million a film or something crazy yeah. like that? I'm sorry. Tom Cruise is good, but he's not that good. Just because he's Tom Cruise. I'm sorry. He's not that good. It's like it's like buying Nike shoes. You're not paying for the the quality of Nike. You're paying for the I'll, Nike I'll go swoosh. one step further. Kobe Bryant is not that good. Right? <laughs> when he was playing basketball, the money he was making was not that good. I'm sorry. It's the truth. Right. I'll go one step further. This is one that will really get into people. Shaquille O'Neal was not that good. Dude, if you can't even go up and make a free throw... Okay, and you're making how many millions a year? And you're like, yeah, I'm working on that. Yeah, no, you're a basketball player. That's your job. Like that, you know, and you made that many millions of dollars? I'm sorry, you, nope, 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 nope. To nope. all our basketball fans that are out there, please send your hate mail to Robert <laughs> No, galaxygasmgmail.com, <laughs> like always. <laughs> and again, I'm just saying what is truth here, okay? If you're good at your thing you do, your job, whatever it is you do, great. You should be compensated for the hard work you do and the things that you do. But some of these players and peoples and actors who earn they feel like these they... incredulous amounts of money. And then I guess the part I get upset about is not only do they make that much money, but then they try to tell us how to think. Right? They get a big head. I'm sorry. They're, right, there's something wrong with that. You make that amount of money, then you try to tell me how to think on top of it because you think you have some sort of power over me. Yeah, I got a problem with that. So, wow, we diverted a lot from Spider-Man on that one. <laughs> so, I will tell you who, who my pick for Craven the Hunter would be. Who's your pick for Craven the Hunter? Danny DeVito. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All I'm picturing now is the penguin. Like, you know, like... <laughs> but he hasn't done anything in quite a while, you're so right, he'd be perfect right. for it. You're right, because nobody would expect it to come. He'd be the shortest Craven the Hunter ever played. But he'd be awesome, though. He might be. He might be. Actually, he might make a good Dr. Octopus. I was about to say, he, he might have the chubbiness in the face yeah. to be the octopus. Yeah, he could. Well, well they, there, there's, been a petition, there's been a petition going around to have him play the next uh, Wolverine. Wolverine? No! Yes. What the deuce? What, are we going to put him on stilts? Are we gonna no! Hold the, are we going to put the camera through the floor and uh, at the bottom and like look up at him all the time? He is the correct height of Wolverine. Is he really? Wolverine is five foot two. He's, he's supposed Holy to be crap, shot. I can play Wolverine. Yes. <laughs> what? I gotta get in shape. I was gonna say. I gotta start working out. <laughs> I'm gonna be buff. The, the next time we... That, 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 that was my biggest argument I had when Hugh Jackman was pull, pulled into the he's role. He's too tall then. He's like 6'4". Yeah, he's way too tall. Wow. Six, I didn't realize Wolverine's that short. Yeah, but that would make sense. Because I'll have to go back and look at my comics say, now. i got to look at him differently. I was going to say, it would make sense for a lot of the things where he's having Colossus do fastball special and throw him. Yeah, yeah he, I guess that would he, make he sense. He can't jump. He's too short. Yeah. <laughs> he's a short white guy. He can't oh, jump. Yeah. And he's been called Runt a lot. This is true. <laughs> okay. That right. is a completely new thing I have never Did not I learned something new tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our second subject. So this article came out, oh, eight months ago. But it, it was interesting nonetheless. Gary kind of pointed this one out to us. It was kind of like, wow, I did not know any of this. So it's for people who didn't know. <laughs> Which is why I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> it was eight months ago. You were like, wait, because I did this? Yeah, I was like, yes, you did. Uh, Colin Trevorrow was supposed to direct the last uh, Star Wars film, The Rise of Skywalker. Remind me why Trevorrow didn't. Did he piss off Kennedy? 
Or did he upset Kennedy? Um, how how did that go down, Gary? I forgot. I remember he and Kathleen did not get along. Yeah, there's that. And Rain Johnson kind of screwed everything up for that. Yeah, Ryan Johnson. For, yeah, for anybody else to to uh, play around in the world. And I think right. actually Trevorrow walked out on his own, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and it says he split with Lucasfilm with creative differences, and J.J. Abrams was brought on to replace him. Uh, so. It, it's come to light that apparently there was there's some concept art that has surfaced, uh, giving a visual flavor of Trevorrow's movie, uh, which he was going to title Duel of the Fates, which I think is kind of fitting, actually. I was going to say, we've talked about the title of Duel of the Fates being something I, I would have loved to see that over because, Rise of the Skywalker. Well, and the reason I say Duel of the Fates is, like, it would have wrapped it up nicely and brought it back to the beginning because... You had Phantom Menace, but inside of the Phantom Menace was the battle of uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Maul, and and that's often called the Duel of the Fates. Isn't that the whole soundtrack? Yeah, the soundtrack is titled the Duel of the Fates with that whole scene. But uh, who was the Phantom Menace, though? Well, it was supposedly... Maul, according to the fans, it's Palpatine, but it's Palpatine in because reality. He's the right. master of everything, and we also he's pulling the strings. Also, a slight side note is you've even said this. Lucas is upset because technically uh, Palpatine won. Correct at the end it of Rise of Skywalker, it's not Ray Skywalker; it's Ray Palpatine. Right by birth, Correct. so Palpatine actually so wins. Palpatine wins. Right. And Which that's has caused saying, a lot of controversy. Yes, and that's actually Disney. one of the reasons, I guess, that Kathleen Kennedy is very um, unpopular over at LFL. Because she took something that everybody agreed would never happen, and that is that the bad guy would win. And Let she flipped happen. the entire series so that the bad guy wins. Think about that and one this for is, a minute. This is pushing George to come back, because the... Well, Spy. rumors are that Lucas wants to get back the into five the next or three seven, films. The five or seven points on Disney's desk for uh, Lucas to come back is Kathleen Kennedy is fired. Right. And that the the new newest trilogy, the, the Rue 3, they're gone. Right. Call them a bad dream, legends, whatever you want to call it. it, it and it, Lucas creates his own. Right. Now... I'd actually see that. There was also an article that Daisy Ridley kind of backed up 100%. And, oh, um, yeah, I read this one. I think I know what you're going to do. I, I, w- I wish I had sent it over to you guys. Was that Ray was supposed to be a, a Kenobi. Kenobi. Yep. And you would have been right. Yes, you it was. Been so mad. You are so mad about that now. And, and actually, she was a little upset that they didn't stick right. with that, that they decided to backtrack I was going to say, hasn't every major actor, even including Mark Hamill, come out against Kathleen Kennedy and said she was changing scripts on a day-to-day basis? Yes. And she'd come on a, in on the set and go, nope, not, don't like that, on, we're changing on. it. Not only just changing scripts on a day-to-day basis, but also changing the direction of the films all around. Like, J.J. Like, and Yoda, Ryan Johnson. Today, Yoda's good. Tomorrow, Yoda's bad. Today, Luke's good. Tomorrow, Yoda's, uh, you know, Luke's a, an insane, you know, popper drinking milk out of a creature, you know, like green milk and crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, by the way, that's come out, too, that apparently, uh, <laughs> I guess there's a lot of contention with Mark Hamill drinking the green milk out of the creature. I guess he did not want to do that scene at all, argued with them on set constantly did not like this idea didn't even want kids to see it thought it was a bad idea to let kids see it 
And Kathleen Kennedy said, no, you're doing it. Get over it. This is what we pay you the big bucks. Do it anyway. And his reaction on that whole thing where he looked like he's ticked off. Yeah. That's, I think that was pretty authentic. real. Yeah, I think that was yeah. authentic. It looks authentic. Um, um, all I could picture was Kennedy in the corner going, do it. Yeah. Yes. Do it. Wearing a black cloak right, right yeah. over head yeah. and yeah. makeup. Um, but basically, it's come of attention that Kathleen Kennedy's a contract is not being renewed. That's the rumor. I'm not confirming that yet. I have not been able to confirm that yet. But rumor is, for those people that don't know, is that Disney will not be renewing Kathleen Kennedy's contract. That's the rumor. The other rumor is that John Favreau is going to become the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe. That he's the one that is going to basically take all the pieces and go, there we go, universe. Because right now, it's not working. Everybody knows it's not working. Mandalorian's I mean, in its own little thing. Clone Wars is in its own little thing. The movies are whatever the heck the movies are. And none of it's making any and sense. according to some documentation, the reason the Kennedy's also being put on that block is she was talking about putting in for the new, the uh, Knights of the Old Republic version of the Star Wars new universe, the new one, yeah. that the Force is sentient and also female. Oh, that would An be awesome. An actual female body. Oh, cool. All right. So that means that every one of these guys is getting possessed by a female. Yep. Okay. I can buy so, it. <laughs> we went a little off the car. So let, there, we went off sorry. a little off the Star Wars. We can't help it. So <laughs> I want to kind of read from this a little bit, and then I want to show you guys the concept art for those who are on the YouTube channel, and you can kind of listen and check it out later in the show notes. Uh, so one of the most fascinating revolutions is that Palpatine wouldn't have been the bad, big bad of Trevor's film. Instead, Kylo was to have encountered a new Sith overlord who was an even older and perhaps more powerful than the Emperor. Tor Valum would have been revealed as Palpatine's mentor, who taught him everything he knew about the dark side. A character like this conjures up images of an imposing figure, so you might be surprised by the design concept in the picture's concept below. So, I'm going to switch over for my YouTubers. This is Tor Valum. And from what I can gather, we're, we're still trying to figure out, like, is Tor Valum the little creature on top? Or is he the creature underneath? Or, or is he both? Or is he both, and that is a ton of arms. So this is all concept art. Because it kind of looks like his joints are attached to the freaking sea slug, and, like, he's... So, I... I it, it's an interesting idea. Uh, but, Gary, this obviously undoes what? Uh, Plagueis. Plagueis. I mean, it undoes the whole book, right? The Darth Plagueis book is now completely, like, if they do this, or if they had done this, it would have been completely done. Undone. I mean, undone, isn't it done, already done, considered undone. not canon? Yeah, I guess it would be, right? What's I mean, that? Darth Plagueis, except for one problem. They mentioned it which in makes a them, movie, which, which makes now them, makes it uh, canon. Okay. Right. So this is one of those weird walks the line. Like, they mention it in the movie, but the book's technically not canon, but it's really hard for you to understand what Palpatine's saying in, in was episode two, right? Episode three. 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 It's really hard to understand what he's saying if you haven't read the book and understand the background. So essentially the so, book is kind of uh, progressively made canon I, because I, th of I think it's kind of an inso facto canon, can't help it kind of thing. Now, you know? what could be believable is Obi-Wan said that Yoda was the one that trained him. Yeah. When it was actually Qui-Gon. Trained who? Trained uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Okay. Well, didn't go to teach the youngs at one point or another during the Jedi Order? Like you at least learned basic deflection with you with Obi. Uh, Quite got trained. Who? I'm sorry, I'm lost. Obi Wan. So Yoda. Cool. When, okay. When when Hold Luke, on, time out. <laughs> okay. 
Obi-Wan comes to to Luke and tells him to go to Dagobah. Yeah. Be trained by Master Yoda. Okay. And that he was his master before. Okay. Then Phantom Menace comes out. And he's being trained and by he's being Qui-Gon. trained by Qui-Gon Jinn. Nowhere did did Yoda train Obi-Wan. Okay. Okay. Except unless he's like what Austin's saying, unless he was a youngling being trained by Yoda as a youngling. Which was established in Rebels because Oh, you're talking about Obi-Wan himself. Right. Now, if Palpatine was being taught by Plagueis, he could have also been taught by this Valum. Right. Yeah, I get it. So the, it the, been... the, the son of the uh, A-Wing pilot in the Spiders. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's Gary's theory. This yeah. is what happened to our A-Wing pilot. He became Valum. Like, we didn't know. It was like, but somehow that happened. How did that yeah. happen in the future, and then... We have time travel yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thing is getting wibbly wobbly timey whiny over here. Now, now the, the question is... Doc Brown showed up, and he took him back to the future. What's your problem? No, no, Great no. Scots. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're right. Doctor Who took her, yeah. took her back because <laughs> because Doctor Who was the Bendu on the same planet. <laughs> Remember, Bob? Yeah, because it is voiced by the, the guy who played Doctor Who. Yeah, Tom, um, Tom Baker. Tom Baker. I was gonna say I knew it was Baker. So you know, it, it's kind of an interesting concept. I, I, you know, part of me wonders if we'll, you know, first off, I would have loved any film. Other than the Last Jedi, the way it was. You mean uh, the Rise of Skywalker? The Rise of Skywalker, the way it was. I'm sorry. I, I, the more I watch it, the more I'm starting to hate on that film. I, I don't know why. I, I wanted to love it. I wanted to be all over it, and but, I don't know. Which is funny because that's the only one I can stand to watch it's of the of the of the <laughs> last three. Last three. Last three. Yeah. For you, yeah. episode seven is a repeat of episode four. I liked it at first, but the more I've watched it, the more there's like huge plot holes that never get answered, right? Like, like the Knights of Ren touched like, on. Yeah, the Knights just, of Ren barely touched. There. Uh, you know, the the whole, the the getting through the space area, like, you know what I mean? Like this random, I don't know what to call it, like. It's a shipyard inside. Globular of fr- space or whatever it is oh. that they had to get through in order yeah, to get nebula. to the, the nebula, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know. Sith they look Nebula. like they're being reborn through a, a Ghostbuster creature or something. I don't even know what you call it. Didn't you see Enterprise D making the way through there? <laughs> I was kind of waiting for that to happen. Yes, actually, it looked like something. You know, that's the, I'm glad you brought that up because I was about to say I kind of feel like Star Wars is now where Star Trek was <laughs> a while back. I, 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 no, correct me if I'm wrong, Gary. Come, you got to be with me on this one, right? Because there was a point in time where Star Trek reset, right? Like, they kind of went, reset the whole thing. Because they were kind of like, we're all over the map. Like, the books were over here doing their little thing. You had the games doing their little thing. The movies doing their thing. The TV shows are doing their thing. And neither between did any of it meet. And nobody was overseeing it all. And at the time, I believe Roddenberry was still alive, right? When this was all going on, Gary? Am I remembering that correctly? I think Roddenberry was still around. No... Or was he kind of like out and other people were taken over at that point? I think he had already passed away in uh, Rick Bergman. In, uh, was it Bergman? Okay. Yeah. All I it, know is it oh, just kind of is... became this disjointed mess. Right. Until somebody finally said, enough. I think it was Paramount that finally kind of said, all right, enough. Yeah. We're not Flag doing this okay. I, I, I will say this. The original cast, Star Trek? Yes. That was Roddenberry. Right. Shortly after he passed away, that's when you saw generations and, and stuff come come out. Come back, you're right. And and it took over from the old generation to the, the next generation. Correct. 
Uh, and then that was all Bergman stuff right there. Okay. And I think it started to fall apart somewhere between... I'm I'm pretty sure it started to fall apart between Next Generation Deep Space Nine, and then it really fell apart when Voyager came along. <laughs> like yes. that's when it really kind of was like, Bleh. okay, I haven't you know? gotten that well, far. And, and then Enterprise showed up, which was an awesome series, and it had potential. Oh my and, gosh, it had potential. And Universal Paramount had their own network. Yep, and that's the only channel that carried it. Right, even in syndication, it's the only one that carried it. Yep. And I never had a universal a UPN channel. Right. That was a dedicated UPN channel. It was a CW... Um, yeah, hybrid UPN, yeah. CW. We did, too. And, and, and it, it was very... Uh, we could never tell when Enterprise was going to be on. Like it, it was. Yeah, and every time Enterprise was supposed to be on, Saturday night at 8 o'clock, yeah. it got interrupted because we have... Our, my local channel had those Scranton Red Barons games on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you never knew when it was going to be on at all. Yep. Yeah, we had the same problem here. It was kind of like the Firefly moment, right? When you couldn't tell when Firefly was going to be on. I, can I had no idea Firefly. when Star Trek Enterprise was going to be on. I, I, I know, but that was the problem with Firefly was when Fox would air it, it was like midnight on Saturday night. And you'd be like, wait, what? So why did they get... Uh, if the sh- Yeah. That's why Firefly was. Yeah, it, it was killed by Fox itself because they didn't Fox air it. Fox just put it in a terrible time yes, slot. Yes, absolutely. No, it's like no, no. This his his Fox channel did it. Not most Fox channels did. My my local Fox channel had it on at eight o'clock on Friday nights, like it was supposed to have been. Right, it was supposed. Most Fox channels were not doing that. Though. Let's be real <laughs> realistic. Most weren't doing it. So somebody needs to be communicating to all the Fox channels. Say you put it on at this time, or no, not at all. You'd like no. to think so, but yeah. So anyway, going back to my point, I feel like Star Wars is there right now. We've got our books doing our own thing. We got our comic books doing their thing. We got this TV show, Mandalorian, on Disney Plus. You got the movies kind of doing their own thing. And quite honestly, I don't see any of them talking between each well, other. Well, the, the biggest problem I have is is you have they show the movie, yeah, and then they bring in the comic book tie into it. Right. That explains everything. Right. Like and, and, this, yeah. and what the comic book doesn't explain, some author writes a book that explains explain, the rest of right. it. And so you have to be doing all of it. So I'm in the same boat as Eric is. I shouldn't have to watch a movie and then read a comic book or read a book or to, both. Find, to find out what's going on. Or both. Right. Right. I agree would, with you. Would you prefer they did flashback movies where every once in a while we'd cover a movie that would fill in a plot hole and it'd be a bit of like a meditative I'd rather they just be really good with their storytelling. I How know, hard can that be? I get that, the, the, but the, if you're done, if you're you're already in the plot hole mess, how do you fix the plot hole mess without just like this, saying this, the stories this, are no? This is how you fix it: you tell a story in the movie, and that's about it. You can't fix a plot hole. You want to fix a plot hole? Write a good movie. Write a good movie. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like write a good script. Okay. Don't have a plot hole. Okay. When you first watch A New Hope. Mm. Did you care what Hansel did for New Hope? I mean, a little. I kind of wanted to know how he and Chewie met, because... Nah. I didn't. I, I mean, six-foot walking carpet doesn't really just walk and hang out with a freaking... Why not? It's an alien world. I know it's an alien world, but... Part of me just wanted to know how the life that happened. That's about it. But, you know, it's it's why, Gary, you and I were enamored by Boba Fett, but his generation never will be. Right. Because... I was enamored by Boba Fett. Okay, but here's the thing. We were enamored by Boba Fett because there was no background on him. We knew nothing about this character other than he was a bounty hunter and he looked B.A., okay? 
And, and then I can make up my own backstory on the whole, right. whole character myself. Now your generation comes along and is like, well, I want to know what happens with Boba Fett. Okay, I want to so know how he became a bounty hunter. How did that happen? I'm gonna show say me, this, show I'm, me, show me. I'm going to say this, and this is because this is something every single person I've ever talked to when I do writing about stuff is, don't explain things in backstory. Explain it through doing. Yeah. The problem is, is you doing that becomes a double-edged sword because if you don't do it right, if you don't explain it the right way, they never get the concept. But why do you have to explain it? If a guy's standing there, he looks B.A. in his armor... You don't need to explain crap. I'm not saying... He just looks B.A. and you're like, dude, I want to be that guy. Yeah. And then your generation comes, oh, I want to know what What do you do? We do this, uh, it's a, it's a, did all this stuff. And then when they do it... You're to, like, to, to, it's to, not what I expected. To, to, <laughs> to placate your guys' uh, whining about it, <laughs> you take the badass character and you make him into a wuss. Yeah. Okay. I... I I didn't see it that way. <laughs> I did not. The way I saw it is, is maybe some things can be explained, some things can be shown, no. and some things can be just left alone. You but, saw Solo, correct? Yeah, and I thought it wasn't half bad. My biggest problem I had with that movie? Mm-hmm. His name. There's no, there's no reason for it. It just kind of happens. He just gets given the name. It's not like it's... <laughs> All the other stories that were written about his past and stuff, he is a Karelian named Solo. Solo. Right. <laughs> right. Solo is a Karelian name. Right. It's it's not he's by himself. <laughs> he's Han Solo. Yes. I'll agree that was a bad decision on whoever decided that was a good idea. Now, the ironic thing is, the one thing I liked in that movie was how he got his blaster. It was actually kind of cool. Yeah. I was going to say, I really want to see that blaster put together being used. It was cool. And, and that's that's probably the portion where I'm sitting here and he did the, like... Uh, nah, it's okay. The, the spin trick thing. Fine the way it is. Yeah. But I, it, I liked seeing the way he got it. That was a cool, I, I cool really additive. And, and then the Millennium Falcon. They, they, they yeah. nearly killed it for me. Why? Eh. They made it into a, a sleek-looking limousine. Yeah. Well, it was before it got a freaking a major. Amount I'm of sorry. Upgrades. It was yeah, but it was always supposed to be a like a like hunk a, of junk, right? <laughs> it was supposed what? to be a Herbie, you know. Like, well, time out. Wasn't it a Corellian cruiser of some kind? Yeah. So it was no, from, no, it's a it's a freight Corvette. It's Corellian a, Corvette. It's a light freight. The YTT light freight. Yeah, I thought it was right, a well, it's a, it's a light freighter. A light freighter is what the right. that Millennium Falcon is. Correct. The original concept for the Millennium Falcon was the Tenev Four, right? I don't know what the Tenev Four. is. Tenev Four is the beginning of Star Wars. Uh, I, I, I knew uh, how. Uh, wow! Give me the nerd card. No, no, no! I didn't know that's what you was going for. I've always heard it yeah, as Tantiv you... Four. I've never heard it as Tenev Four. What did you ever call it as? Tantiv Four, or Leia's ship. Because I've always the... called a blockade runner as well. Yeah, well, if the Tenev Four is what do they call it in the movies. I think in I'm pretty sure I've never sure, heard it called Tenev. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure, and we'll have to watch it later. I'm pretty sure Rogue One. That's what they referred to it as in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it the guy mispronounced it. I'm telling you, he mispronounced so it. Dumb. At least according to uh, Mark, who, who reads the Star Wars books. But yeah, okay. So that brings us to our last topic because we got to keep moving. <laughs> Uh, well, I like arguing with Austin. <laughs> I know. Shut up, Gary. <laughs> Our last topic is this theory 
it's, the title of it is from comic book. It's from comicbookresources.com. Uh, yeah, so take a photo of a grain of salt. A grain of salt. This is from three days ago. Of course, it's a theory, so it's not true, but it would be interesting. No um, way. That the child is connected to a key Clone Wars arc. So we're talking about okay. the child, the asset, whatever you want to call it. It is not Baby Yoda. I will continue to say that to my dying it day. It even says it in the beginning of this article. Right. It is not, it. It says not Baby, Baby Yoda. Yoda. Stop calling it that. His name is George. <laughs> Fine. We'll call him George. So George, the theory is, I have a couple theories about George myself, and, and my son gets mad at me because every time I say a theory, it becomes completely logical to the point that it's like, how can it not be that way? Because so, I have uh, freaking Dave Filoni and John Favreau in one room. I can't help it. So the theory is that, that George he is actually <laughs> the guy that takes over for the father on the Mortis arc. Because in the Mortis arc, the father dies, and that leaves the balance between the the daughter and the son. Which, and hang on for a second. The daughter dies giving Ahsoka back her life after the son tries to stab the father and, and misses. And then the father, in efforts to make sure the son doesn't free himself, basically commits suicide because he stabs himself. Yes. In order to prevent mm -hmm. the, the darkness from escaping. Yep. Okay, so thank you for explaining that arc for yeah. us. For those fans who didn't yeah. know. And I, I, what the the point here is that the the George <laughs> is supposed to bring balance back to the force because you can't let what you know evil just win. There has to be balance between evil and good, and so George may actually be the answer. Uh, and and it would make sense because Ahsoka would be able to be able to help the child George balance this all out. And, and by the way, the timelines kind of line up, too. They talk a little bit about the fact that we're talking about, you know, the Battle of Yavin and, and the 41 years before it. And it was and, said to be because he's roughly 50 years old. Right. He could be of age to be in that situation. Correct. He'd be in right about the right age to be on that timeline and, and right around that time period. Um, so it's an interesting theory. It kind of holds up to my theory, too. I have been saying all along since we watched The Mandalorian um, I still have of, of the theory. Now, Gary, I think, vehemently disagrees with me on this one, so correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Gary. I still think we have not seen The Chosen One. I think The Chosen One is yet to be determined. And I think it's quite possible that The Chosen One is George. Um, that, a, that he's the, such I don't, a, such I don't a want us to call him because he's not Baby Yoda. Uh, such a lackluster so, name. It's not right. powering of any kind. <laughs> we'll hug him and keep him and hold him forever. <laughs> uh, so George uh, is the one who who is going to bring balance. In other words, bring the Jedi back to their full strength and bring them back to the Order. And I think that's why you're only going to see Ahsoka in one episode of Season 2 because I think she's going to show up at the end of the Mandalorian and take George off to go start the next Jedi Order. I think otherwise. I think they're going to go into Mortis and bring balance to the All Force. So it's going to be Ahsoka will take up the place of the daughter, he will take up the place of the father, and the son will be replaced by some Dark Lord. Or kind of Luke Skywalker because he's kind of gray at this point. Could hmm. work. So, Gary, you disagree with me on this. I know you do, because you believe what? Anakin was the... The Anakin is the Chosen Is the Chosen One, yes. And it wasn't the, the deal with the... He was to bring balance to the Force, which he did, because there was 
hundreds of Jedi's out there, mm-hmm. and there's only two Sith Lords. Yep. And he eliminated the whole Jedi Order down to two, which was Obi Wan and Yoda. Which I can get. I, I get what you're saying, and I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I'm I'm only saying that I don't think Anakin. Well, I don't. I'm not saying I don't think Anakin did that. I think Anakin did do his part. He played his role. Uh, and the only reason I say this about George <laughs> is because Yoda even kind of hinted at it during uh, Revenge of the Sith, where he said maybe we misinterpreted the. Perhaps misread the prophecy was. Right, the prophecy. The possibility of this prophecy that they were told. I'll, first off, I have a lot of questions about the prophecy, and I wish we knew more about it. Like, if there's something they could explore a little bit, the prophecy would be something cool to explore. Okay, so let's make the Star Wars movie the prophecy. Right, why not? But I'm saying that actually would be a good movie, because you could, like, actually explore the beginning of the Jedi how it was created, and who provided this prophecy and why right. the prophecy was put out there. And you could go back as far as the Jedi Mandalorian Wars. That's what I mean. Yeah, start right, on, right there and right move on up. up. Right. Right. Because you've got so much that you could play with. There's a whole sandbox there of years that you could play with, all the way back to lightsabers that needed backpack power cells in order for them to work. And, and it could take place in the um, uh, Jedi Library. Correct. Yeah, a lot of it could be centered around the Jedi yep. Library. But yeah, and Anna good. could explain Sith holocrons and Jedi holocrons and the wow. prophecy and the whole nine yards. Maybe you can explain this. This is a side note. Why are Sith holocrons triangle and Jedi square? Uh, that's why I'm saying they, they should go back and check because it out because I don't have okay. any clue. Okay. Other than um, it looks cool. <laughs> the other thing that is they could do is they could describe the prophecy and then describe how the Mortis God's went off to become no, Mortis because no, no 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 I think you leave Mortis out of it to be honest with you well, leave that whole story arc out of the Clone Wars completely out of it yep yeah personally I think because didn't they in the Clone Wars kind of hint that the whole Mortis thing was a dream right yes because yeah. you even said that they're going to say it's a dream at the end and they're like it's a dream and I was like come on <laughs> like he's telling us right here that it's a dream so you know like they said it was a dream and I really do think they should leave it as a dream that Anakin had that somehow Ezra managed to be able to use to open up the portal into right into well, time yeah. right that's the role that Mortis played gave them ability to time travel that's really the only role that Mortis played that's why I don't necessarily believe with the comic book resources article here because quite honestly I don't I don't see the Mortises as being that important I just think it was a thought it was an afterthought in a Clone Wars episode mm-hmm. I see it as a time filler to be honest with you yeah, I, I just like the droids. Yeah, that are still whirling through space somewhere. So the, the that, that reminds me. That's, that's another another uh, story arc we could do for a movie. What's that? How droids came to be? No, have have, have a um, an Indiana Jonas type of guy. Okay, that's out looking for all these mysterious objects. Okay, like the droid flying around in hyperspace, the A wing pilot. You know, <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> looking for A-wing pilots. Da, 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 da. Why not? <laughs> yeah, and he could carry a light whip instead of just a whip. Yeah, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and a blaster. Yeah, and a blaster. Yep. Just yeah. so in case he faces a Jedi who like 
decides to swing the blade around and look like cool and just shoot. And the first thing he finds is a mouse droid, but he's got to find the right amount of sand in his bag to replace the mouse droid, (laughs) or Vader's head comes rolling down and it starts, you know. Yeah, I can see how this plays out. No. No. Life of me, Skywalker. Well, a rancor comes running. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> then he falls in the pit with all those spikes in it, and then uh, you can come, you can come running out of the woods, go. <laughs> <laughs> See, Bob, I can put you in the movie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd finally star in a film. All right. <laughs> He'd be laughing until he got away from the camera. They'd be laughing his ass off as he walks off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So that's our thoughts on these three articles. Again, we talked about. The Spider-Man Sinister Six fan Sinister Six fan poster. We talked about the possibility of a different Rise of Skywalker and the fan theory about the Mandalorian and George, uh, which we have now dubbed what the asset is now going to be called. He's going to be called George George. until they come up with a different name. So that's our thoughts. We'll be back in just a moment to review the last episode of season one of the Mandalorian. We'll be back in just a moment. We'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. Twenty secure phones to assist in staying anonymous? $5,000. Fighting legal cases across five countries? One million dollars. Upkeep of servers in over 40 countries? $200,000. Donations lost due to banking blockade? $15 million. Added cost due to house arrest. $500,000. Watching the world change as a result of your work? Priceless. There are some people who don't like change. For everyone else, there's WikiLeaks. To find out more about WikiLeaks financial blockade and how to donate, please visit wikileaks.org forward slash support dot html glistening medallion silk shirt open to the navel something missing complete the look complete the look with a personalized chest wig at vice city's one-stop shop for people who know what the ladies want wow you look manly complete the look Ship on radar. I'm going to destroy him. Ships in action figures sold separately. Batteries not included. Target of 40 degrees. Death Star, get ahead. The shield's still up. Locking lasers. Empire ambush. I'm going for solar panels. Use the power. I'll need the force. Keep the fleet on alert. The Empire's in retreat. Millennium Falcon and New Tie Interceptor each sold separately. Only from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world.
Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we talk about Season 1, Episode 8 of The Mandalorian titled Redemption. So, all I can say about this episode is, yeah, the end. <laughs> yep, that's it. We're that's done. it. We're done. Thank you our very hero much. Flies we'll see you next season. <laughs> I was going to say, our hero flies gallantly off into the sky. Dun, 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 dun. Well, I just... <laughs> this episode was, like, so... I don't know. I, to me, it was so enthralling. It was, like, almost hard well, you to got, think about how we're going to talk about it because there's just so many things going on in this episode. With the last screamed. episode, you get left on a cliffhanger. Where you get and the we, massive cliffhanger. So, so we start this episode with some comedy. We've got the two scout troopers... Beating the snot out of the little one, out of, then, George, out of George, and then trying to shoot something, and missing terribly, Me- miserably. Which you know they are stormtroopers. So I was gonna say know. when we first watched this, we were out at Grandma and Papa's and Uncle Mike and Aunt Trisha's, and yes. we're all dying laughing because they're at nothing. <laughs> well, I said, well, they were trained by the same guy. All the stormtroopers were trained by. Yeah. The, the best part is when IG Eleven showed up. Yes, and the guy yes. walks right up to him and, and shoots and still misses. Still misses him, yeah. <laughs> I just love that IG-811 just takes the one guy and just, like, literally just kind of slams him right into the bike. and you like must die. Dents the bike down with his head, and that's it. Like, he's done. Over. Uh, I just thought it was funny that the one, the one thing I found funny about this episode, actually, is not the episode, but the fan reaction to the episode. People lost their crap over these two bike about the scouts. fact that these biker scouts beat up George. Yep. And I'm like, y'all know it's a puppet, right? Like, it's not a real life thing. But they still I was be- waiting for somebody to call PETA up and be like, <laughs> they're beating up, you know, gremlins. It's not fair. But, but here's the thing also is that they're saying that he's a child. Well, he's 50 years old. Right, he's 55 years old. What do you define <laughs> as a child? I mean, like... He, uh, he appears, or it and, appears to be a child, because we don't know. And I'm going to go one step further. It's make-believe. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, my and, goodness. And you really don't see him actually punching George. No, they only punch the bag. George right. just happens to be in it. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, an x-ray of this bag. Is this, oh, he's grabbing his ear now, and tucking. Now, yeah. I know some Biker Scout, you know... Uh, Cosplayers that would probably willingly take a bag and, and put a like, stuffed George in it and beat it up. Yeah. I'm sure, but you know, well, if, if I was one, I would do it. I would do it. I absolutely. If um, I had one. That's going to become the next thing. I would now, happily like, do it. In like roll, roll, uh, Wolver Hood. Whoa, whoa, we, all whoa, of a sudden, we have a bunch of uh, whoa, 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 whoa. S- scout troopers walking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Shut up! <laughs> I'm not. Mm, <laughs> I hate you both. Now, what would have been really funny is uh, if he went to punch the bag and he hit the bike instead. <laughs> That would have been funny. (laughs) That would have been funny. I didn't think it was funny that George bit his finger. I just didn't think that was like... (laughs) Yeah, part of me wants to say, uh, you might want to get tested for rabies because we're not sure. I mean, or I'll go one step further. (laughs) You might want to get tested for COVID. We're, you know... (laughs) Nobody put the swab on his nose. We're not sure. Um, It might have to go in his ear and go down his nose. I mean, I don't think it matters because IG-11 just... Face punched him into the bike and oh. had a, a moral combat. No contest. <laughs> and then that was that. That, that, so, that was the on. other one. The, the, he got his arm broke. Yeah, he got his arm oh, twisted off. Oh. Basically, I thought that was the guy who was talking all sorts of like I know. The one the that got his arm twisted off, I'm pretty sure is the Jason Sudeikis one. Uh, so for those who don't know, Jason Sudeikis from Saturday Night Live fame was one of the two biker scouts. I'm pretty sure it's the one that had his arm twisted off. 
Uh, and it was the one that had uh, George in the sack at the beginning. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's the one. And the second one is Jason the one that got his finger bit and then got slammed into the bike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so IG-11 comes along and saves George, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then, of course, the little stupid and thing like... So, so then we go back to the, I don't know what you call it, the domicile or whatever it is. The, the bar, bar, I yeah. guess. The bar the that cantina. Been, the, the bar that has been besieged. <laughs> right, they've been besieged. And this is where we learn that the Mandalorian... We finally get what a Mandalorian is, and I, I I'm kind of glad they tr- they tried to at least explain it to people who had no idea, because a lot of Star Wars fans don't know what a Mandalorian is, and ironically, some Star Wars fans still don't know what a Star what a Mandalorian is, and they've been Star Wars fans. I'm like, how do you not know? Uh, you know, the idea of the Mandalorian, and this is why I like the Mandalorian. To me, it represents. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound awful, but I don't in politics today. I don't care. It, it's the United States. The Mandalorians are the, represent the United States. The United States took the best and brightest from all these different cultures and brought them here, right? Give, Give me your, your poor, your tired, tired your huddled masses, right? Uh, wow, tell, me, tell me that that's not what the Mandalorians are. That's exactly what they do. They go out and they find cultures that are being berated by, beaten down by, beaten up by the Empire or whoever's in power at the time. They grab those people, those kids, they save those cultures, and they kind of like envelop them into theirs. And not, it's not even only just races, it's more of like individuals. They grab the right. people who are... Right. It's not, they, it's they, not it, about it's, race, religion, or any other thing. They take people. Mm. And, well, I shouldn't say people. Beings. Because t- technically we're talking about aliens in a, in a yeah. you know sci-fi universe. And they make a new family out of this beings that are there. The which one, is awesome. The That's one what thing, I love about uh, the Mandalorians. I think we've seen it from Mercs, but we haven't ever seen it on movies and such is isn't there a mandalorian that's a tuscan raider or there's a mandalorian that's a rodian in the group yes there's yes isn't there also one i think that did a twi'lek Mando? we have a twi'lek mandos yeah the uh, there's one jawa mandos oh, yes Jawa's mandos. yes there are jawa know. mandos is there a dathomirian mando i'm sure there's probably one out there somewhere I imagine this is going to spur a well, lot of people to Tom's be like... Tom's wife was a Zabrak, I believe, when she first yeah. started. She, she never wore the helmet. She just did Okay, the when, when, you're, when you're saying the Dathomirian... I was being more like Maul, but that might be a Zabrak more than anything. Yeah, because okay. uh, you can't have a, a, right, a force... Force using Mandalorian. Yeah, right. yeah, we've had that argument a million times. Yes. Uh, so, you know, yes, Mandalorians are not a culture. They're not a religion. It's just a thing. It's a group of people that creates its own family. Yeah. The planet, That's the way I look at it. The planet Mandalore is... Just the home world where they, they gather. Yeah, it's the home world where they gather. It has no, And where they're led from. Yeah, it has no hold. Because if you notice, there's also planets like Concord Dawn and others right. that have more... So if you're Mandalorian, well. you're not from Mandalore, which Krieg Garga had a hard time uh, understanding that, right? And Grief Karga. Grief Karga, whatever his name is. You said Creed. Uh, Creed. Creed, okay? That's Creed. all I know him as. Creed, okay? Creed him. had a hard time <laughs> understanding that Mandalorians are not necessarily from Mandalore. They are a thing. They, they are, are Creed. Creed, they are whatever they are, and and I was glad they brought that out in this episode. They talked about that because it needed to be talked about and needed to be presented. And we got a chance to hear Din Jaren's real name finally. What's it? Was it uh, Din Jaren? So that's yeah. So say his name. There you go, Din Jaren. Say his name. Din Jaren. Okay, so. <laughs> They we get done with that whole discussion, and that's when 
they decide they need to use the the tunnels to get out from underneath they because need, they need to go look at this the, point uh moff whatever his face is you know threatening to kill him kill them he has established an e-web <laughs> yeah they're pulling out an e-web he basically pulls out a taunt like I know all, all three of you in that building are. Me- meanwhile, Creed's trying to get drunk inside on Romulan <laughs> ale. Uh, <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. He's using blue ale, uh, so must be blue milk. Uh, and then at the same alcohol. time, the Mandalorian decides, "Hey, I better call out to the our Ugnot. guy, yeah, yeah our, Ugnot, Ugnot, dude, our, um, and and Creel. and Creel, yeah, and check on you know George and make sure George is okay." And ironically, I, IG well actually you hear George answer first with a eh, right, and then and then you hear IG eleven say, "Hey, I, I had this. I have I have the child, <laughs> I have the child, and I'm, I'm I'm executing my protocol or whatever." And what is that to nurse and, to, to nurse the to child to protect and serve right or, or something, something like, like that? that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, IG eleven becomes like the most bad butt robot. Ever. I like, love Gary's line. He's a hell's angel. He was, man. He was like a hell's angel. He's speeding towards the town. He's blasting everything in sight, except for the Jawa. I thought that was impressive that he missed the Jawa. Uh, uh, a little too short. You know, comes comes in towards uh, the moth and then, like, uses... I mean, there's so many cool things about this scene. He uses the speeder bike as a weapon. He turns his whole body around to, to protect, protect George. Yeah, to protect the asset. He then turns his whole body around, grabs another gun, and just starts blasting away. I mean, it, it, the whole scene was just like... And then, at the same time, Cara Dune comes out. Mandalorian comes out. Well, Cara Dune actually first does, like, cops up on the bar. Right, she hops up on the bar, and she does spray. her own little spray and pray thing. And then... And then you have Karga and Mandalorian come out the door, and you really see the Mandalorian kick butt without a blaster. Well, and I loved... I love. Well, this scene actually showed him both. He was actually he blasting people, but he was also, like, kicking, hitting, punching, you know, doing the whole nine yards. Getting kicked and hit. Getting and kicked and, and hit, which was kind of, like, I think that needed to be seen, right? He like, got knocked to the ground, but still managed to kick a death trooper right. over. Right. And get back up. And to me, the punches and kicks were not unrealistic ones, right? Like, it's not like he suddenly punched a guy in the helmet and he went down. He'd punch a guy in the helmet, the guy would get dazed, like, but come right back at him. a little bit. But the way it should be, right? Like, how many times have we seen somebody, like, especially on Rebels, they're notorious for this, where they hit somebody in a helmet and the guy falls over, and it's like, how do you knock somebody out who has a helmet on? Like, that's well, the could, whole point if, of the if, helmet. And I'm going to say this. If it was Zeb, I might be able to say, well, it might be alien strength, but it's Ezra right. or Kanan. Who, right. right. It, it's like this. I get punched in the head, I act like I'm dead, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It feels yeah. like the Robot Chicken episode. Darth Vader believes he can force choke us, so we need you to play along. Right. Play along. <laughs> Here, then... put the beard on and do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway. We've been watching a little Robot so Chicken. He, he comes out. He, he I got my beard done. They, they, they <laughs> kick rear end. I mean, this is actually a really good fight scene. The whole thing is whoever choreographed this scene really needs a race because it was a good oh, yeah. scene. It was well put together, well who's, choreographed. Who's the director? Taika Waititi was this particular episode. I was gonna say he he knows what he's doing, but they did show who was the most BAA character of the whole. Oh my gosh, the moth! Like Gary pointed out, like and I've watched it a couple times. I noticed it, but like you, you made a valid point. point It makes him feel like he's really BA because he walks around and doesn't flinch, doesn't anything, just kind of observes. Watch the Mandalorian, Almost. and then out of nowhere, just kind of pulls out a gun and takes one shot. 
blows up he the takes, power cell to the key web. Up, he takes two. But he blows up the power. To, he didn't even shoot at the Mandalorian. Yes, he, he did. He shot cell. him in the helmet to get his attention. Oh, yep. did he? Yep. Oh, that's and right, then, he did. And then that's right. he turns around, and the moth takes two seconds to realize if I shoot him, he's not going to work. He's wearing right. a Beskar. But if I shoot the box, it's conveniently right behind his head. Which yep. is also the power cell for his he's, gun. The gun, which the will gun. disable his gun, but it will also disable him. Right. Two seconds. Which we didn't talk about that either. The fact that the Mandalorian, at the end, grabs the E-Web... Goes well, crazy. What happened right? is he started seeing that IG Eleven was getting hit from right. multiple sides. Yep. So we're losing this battle, Rambo style. Activate yep. and pulls the gun off and starts wet railing. So railing. he gets knocked down. Kara goes out, grabs him. They retreat back into the cantina, which is now missing a door because of right. a it got thermal imploder. And they now realize this is not good. They're not in a good situation. And that's when the Mandalorian. I really think he gave up here. He he. Tells Cara Dune, I'm not going to make it. You're going to have to go on without me. She Gives realizes the necklace over. So she realizes there's blood under his helmet. So now we're talking about a head injury, which could potentially be fatal. Uh, and at this point, the IG-11 is cutting the hole in the grate. Yeah. And, and there's this argument about whether his helmet should come off or not. Um, this goes back to the whole argument of this is the way and we don't take our helmet off and blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm kind of over that argument because the 501st kind of ruined that for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole uh, taking of the helmet off argument thing. What did the 501st Did you forget do? about that? Uh, uh, kind of. So they made fun of our the Mercs because uh, we take uh, our helmets uh, off to uh, talk to uh, people uh, instead uh. of talking to them with the helmet on. Long story it's short, that's how difficult. I explain it to people. It's freaking difficult. I'm not going to go there. So... We we uh, we have a nice little discussion in there, and that's when the, the mob tells him to burn him out. Yep, he tells him to burn him out, out. <laughs> and the Canadian trooper comes along. Yep. <laughs> oh, Canada. That's much as I um, Yeah, you're not singing the right song with the different wrong lyrics over there. It's it. Oh Canada, oh. our home and native land. That's right. I know Canada's national anthem. Oh, aren't you so special? I have went to enough hockey games. So, uh, ready? Woo! <laughs> yeah. So, long story. <laughs> Keep your stick on the ice, all right? Okay. Yes, I've been watching Red Green lately, too. Because the handyman's. <laughs> That's Harold from Red Green. If you don't know, go watch Red Green. It's on YouTube, okay? <laughs> okay. They so, do that remarkably well. I know, right? <laughs> so, uh,. <laughs> The Canadian trooper comes in and he goes to burn them out. And yet again, out of miraculous nowhere, George does his job. He waves say, his little hands. We and have makes this, the little thing happen. We have this epic shot where it looks like he's like, "I must be ready," and he stands up. I thought it was kind of cool. That, <laughs> I mean, going, Gary pointed out I, we've never had a Jedi Ray ever before this point stop fire. You're, you, it's a valid point, Gary. I don't think it's nope. ever happened. Yoda did something similar in the Clone Wars, but it wasn't fire. I mean, Mace Windu. Did Mace Windu stop the fire coming out of uh, Jango Fett's nope. gauntlets? Nope. He just ran from them, right? It, 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 it caught, caught it, his robot on fire and he jumped off the right, edge. He dodged it, right? And so even then, yeah. when Kenobi faced a similar something, it happened. So George him. might be more powerful than Mace Windu. Think about that for He's a moment. actually as powerful as Master Yoda because Yoda did it with the gas canisters for the... Zillow Beast during the Clone Wars animated oh, series. Oh, yeah, he did kind of, yeah. He, maybe. he and several, a few other Jedi created a cloud to be able to prevent themselves from being well, toxic. Well, it, it was like a dome so yeah. they wouldn't yeah, die. 
I mean, it's a valid point, but it's not quite fire. That's a little no, different. No, it's not quite fire, but it's gas. But, but that was impressive that, that George held off the fire, and not only did he hold off the fire, he pushed it back at and he, the guy. And he did like a flick, like a... Right, and kind of... Get like, out of here. Yeah, kind of kind of made him explode, which was kind of cool. It was a great way to stop that scene. Well, which means he had a World War II uh, flamethrower on his back. Yes, because, because apparently all the propane was in the tank. <laughs> no, it's not, it's true, because the... He was wearing a backpack. Yes. The, the ones that used in Vietnam... Mm-hmm. You could shoot at those tanks all day long, and yeah, uh, they, they wouldn't. Would they would just oh. spill the liquid, but they wouldn't actually blow up. Yeah, oh. I don't remember what they that, did. There was a uh, a double stop, I think, on the on the end of the tip, right? Of the that kept it from backlogging into the the actual. Oh, yes, we're, we're, I did not know this. Yes, we improved our technology from World War Two to Vietnam. Imagine that. <laughs> the more you know. So <laughs> they end up going down into the tunnels. Don't make me pull out the GI Joe ones. Uh, they go down to the tunnels. Body massage. Body massage. <laughs> Maybe I'll put that on the show notes. People are like, what are they talking about? I'll let you figure that out. You go watch all the G.I. Joe PSAs that Gary gave to us. That's all I'm going to say. So uh, they go down to the tunnels, and at this point, Mandalorian's looking for help from the other Mandalorians, so they're searching all around. He's still excoriating about how they need to you know, let him die. Uh, meanwhile, IG-11, while everybody went down in the tunnels, helped him out by spraying Bacta on his head. I'm glad they made a reference to the Bacta spray. And and, right? and, and he took his helmet off, too. And took his helmet off. So Which, we finally got to see uh, Pedro Pascal, you know, pretty old he Pedro. Pretty, he was uh, pretty scarred up, too. He was. He was fairly well beaten. And so we get down in the tunnels, we look for the new Mandalos, and we find our pile of... Uh, but the, uh, I do like the one line that IG-11 told him, though. Go ahead. You have a... Uh, malfunction in your CPU. Yes, yeah. <laughs> your central, your, kind of your central uh, neural yeah. harness. I think yeah. what you said. Yeah, which <laughs> is basically the skull, the base of his skull. You yeah. mean my brain? Yeah, my brain <laughs> that was supposed to make you feel at ease. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, so, so they go down the tunnel and they find the discarded pile of armor. That's uh, you know we won't talk about that, but there's a controversy behind that armor. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go Google that. It's it's out there. Uh, apparently some of the helmets and stuff were recast, if you didn't know that. And so oh. they find the pile of armor, and that's where the armorer is, and she tells she them... She just peers out of nowhere and goes, we had to have ended the covert. Well, and, Our secrecy was our right. saving. And Well, she, she said that the Empire found them and, and killed them all. And so she's melting down what's left of the armor to make Beskar ingots... So that she can save the armor to potentially do something with later on, uh, which I think it's kind of interesting. You know, you could have just left the best car there, but you didn't. You made you're making sure that it. You could don't be want used to leave again. the best car with the the freaking empire. They don't like that. I don't know if they would be okay with the best car in the empire's hand, as it was getting the best car and getting. I am from wondering the if the empire uses the best car for like bad purposes, and we're gonna find that out later. You know what I mean? So, like, like maybe there was part of the Death Star in order for it well, to play, fire the Kyber or, saber or weapon, plating for a special kind of Tie pilot or Tie fighter or something. You know what I mean? Who knows? Who knows what they are using Beskar for? Mm. So she's Star Killer base. <laughs> maybe she's she's melting down this Beskar, and she decides as she's talking to Mandalore and talking about the Mandalorians themselves. She decides to make him a new sigil. I thought she said signet. Signet, sorry, signet. But, but she also told him that uh, she's got. He has to take George <laughs> to George's people. Correct. Yes. The, the, until George is returned to his people, he's basically now the father of this child. Until until uh, he is of age or or joins, returned to his people, people, you are responsible for him. 
Right. And what is of age when it comes to George? Because he's I 55. Imagine, like, what? I imagine. <laughs> he's 852. He's of age. Yay! <laughs> I imagine of age is an age to be able to be taught to fight. I get it. But, I mean, like, what? what, what is that in George's race? But anyway, I imagine it's I digress. <laughs> so. Three. More years. Three. Three. Hundred years. Three <laughs> more years. <laughs> so. Uh, Four. Three. <laughs> she makes the signet for him, and it's the mud horn. And he and George are now a clan of two. Which is very interesting. And then, uh, and then Stormtroopers are going to raid, so they right. send IG 11 out to the hallway. She gives him a jetpack. Yes, she gives him a jetpack, and what? he says that. Go ahead, Gary. Did, did, did you train in the, the Order of the Durang? <laughs> Which, by the way, she says Order of the Phoenix. Now, Gary points to the Rising that I Phoenix. Had never thought of before. Okay, for those people that don't know, okay. My first character was Cal Falco. Cal stood for fire, so fire Falco. Okay, right, all right. But everyone so, in the man. When I killed Cal, <laughs> when I killed Cal, I made a new character called Durang. Durang's the one that killed Cal. He shot him in the head uh, when his bucket was off. Um, and Durang literally stands for out of the smoke or out of the ashes, which was a phoenix. So that's why Durang's um, uh, coloring is the way it is. He's supposed to look like a phoenix coming out of the ashes. That's why he's dark on bottom, and he's really bright on top because, you know, orange and yellow because he's coming out of the ashes. And she says, have you learned your your uh, phoenix Were you once trained in the rise in the Order of the Rising Phoenix? Right. So, technically, yes, she, he would be a Durang training, uh, which I had never <laughs> thought of until Gary pointed that out. So, ironically, I am in this episode, whether you all like it or not. So Yes, but uh, you're not the flaming Mando in this episode. Shut up. <laughs> And I'm not the Flaming Mando. That's it, you now. Oh, I'm the it, Phoenix. It, it, and that, Screw you all. But not only that, but they go into the lava river. Yes, this is true. They were going <laughs> to a lava river. So, uh, she so, stinks. So, you, you both are in it. Yes. Because oh, yeah, yeah. he's a Flaming Mando at that point. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but we, we do get a weird scene where he gets handed the jetpack and we hear blaster fire and IG-11 comes over and goes... The hallway is secure. <laughs> like just yeah. I'm like okay. That's like so. The man Mando gives him the pack, the IG11, and yeah. they take off down the hall. He replies on ammo. Well, and the, the, the the armor gives it gives IG the the pack and says right. to carry it until he's, he's, he's ready for it. Right until he is able to because he is healing. So they they go down they go down the hall and they start making their way to the lava river. Meanwhile, the stormtroopers come in. They find the armor. They they surround her. Hey, uh, and it was funny because I, I think we all were thinking the same thing. And the first time I watched this, they they are talking to her, and all of a sudden one of them kind of taps her on the head, and the head kind of moves sideways, but it doesn't come back. And I thought, and I think you all thought the same thing. She, I thought well, she wasn't in the armor, like she was. I thought you left the armor, armor to leave. The, right, the like she left the armor there as a distraction, and she was gonna like blast them from somewhere else. I or was something. thinking she was gonna flee and just leave the armor there to be a distraction. And sure enough, she just stands up and, and like does like the ass. biggest whoop butt I've ever seen in my life. Uh, she she takes a stormtrooper. She smelts one of them. She, well, she flips him over his shoulder. He falls into the well, smelter. That's smelting, yes. Yeah. And and she she hits Shat one with that hammer. She shatters the shatters the, the, the helmet. Jaw. Yeah. Yeah. Shatters the jaw of another guy. Like, oh. I mean, it was just uh, uh, when that when that part of that episode was done, I was kind of like, 
Man, maybe she is the B.A. of all Mandos right there. She might be the one that's like, She took yeah. that how many stormtroopers with just a freaking All I can say is it, a... made, it made me say, I'm never making a female Mando and mad at me ever again. <laughs> never, ever. Because if that's good, what could happen, yeah, no. Uh, I'm good, I'm good. I'll back off, thank you. Uh, <laughs> you see a female Mando and you just cover your codpiece. Meanwhile, <laughs> all the other guys, they, they get down to the river and there's a boat there, which they're assuming can get them through the lava river. Uh, with a robot at the back, and it's kind of, I guess, fused to the dock is the best way to put it. Well, the lava probably hardened on The lava hardened on, hardened on it. And the robot doesn't appear to be working, so they're trying to get the boat out into the lava river, and it's not working. Kara Dune and just pulls Kara, it back. like my son points out, Kara's answer is fire. Shoot first, <laughs> ask questions later. That seems so she be, just blasts the bottom of the thing. That seems to be her answer for things. It's, well, it's bang, 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 bang. If but, shooting isn't working, shoot harder. <laughs> but in her defense, though, you got two guys and a robot trying to push it out into the, right. the lava river. Mm-hmm. We're with no success. Right. She's the only one that saw that it was glued to the dock. I True, know, but she stepped back a moment to see the situation. Yeah. <laughs> but if so, you've seen throughout the entire episode, other episodes she's been in, it's basically her answer is her her blaster is her secret oh, weapon. Okay, what's she supposed to do? Pull a lightsaber out of her back? No, uh, I also point out that she is a shock trooper, and I would expect nothing less from a right. shock trooper. So they jump into the boat. Uh, and they start going down the lazy river. All of a sudden, the robot and the robot comes to life, and, and they're every like, single person pulls their pistols on them. They're like, you know, tell the robot get us to the end of the river. We we got to get out of here. And just as they're doing that, the Mando turns towards the opening, turns on his uh, I yeah, guess cargo pilot, out whatever. We're the opening, we're going to be free. And then he turns on his thermal vision. I want to call it. And, and all of a sudden, a whole he's squad of he sees a platoon just hanging out right. there waiting. And part of me says, you know, I would have taken the risk with the stormtroopers. Why is that? Well, we saw how the scout troopers shot in the early part of the episode. I mean, we saw how the stormtroopers... You had some pretty good odds coming I was going to say, you saw how the stormtroopers shot during that major fight in the square. Because so uh, to me, half of them were missing. I don't know what they were worried about. Their odds were in their favor. But okay, they decided this was not a good situation. It's it's in point-blank range, and they're on a boat. They don't have very much cover. Have you paid attention during Rebels at all? Have you seen how the stormtroopers are there? I know what this is. Come on. You hit the scout troopers, walk right up to IG-11. And right. Point shoot, gun, and still missing. Still missing. <laughs> at point blank range. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I so. get that. So, to, you know, they're all worried. And I'm kind of like, dude, I'd just go out there and fire. Because, like, as considering how well they can shoot, have we're good. Care, we're have okay. Care, don't we're good. Have Kara doing at the edge of the boat shooting yeah, one way. Yeah, go crazy. Have Mando on the other side. We're good. But anyway, so they decide to go the other way. They decide that IG-11 is their only hope because... Well, IG-11 decides it for them. Correct. IG-11 decides it for them because their only hope is to send IG-11 out. He cannot shoot. He's not going to shoot back because he's got nothing to shoot with. But he has his self-destruct mechanism because, his manufacturer said, they can't let him fall into enemy hands, so she has to uh, execute uh, self-destruct, which he kept trying to do mm-hmm. in, like, episode two, uh, you know, like a million yeah, times over. and then over. gets shot in the head because right. Mando... So uh, he walks out into the lava river, and this is the part where it's kind of like I wish he would have wait. Like he could have waited until they were a little closer to the edge. But it okay. felt like him melting down to the river was a little <laughs> like slow. Yeah, well, slow. Well, yeah. It, it, but at the same time, though, if they got closer to the edge or the entrance, I should say, and he, he exploded, they could shoot, be caught, shot yeah, in. Yeah, right. true. And they could have shot in towards. I him. mean. The thermal imploder explodes. So he goes out there, and he thermal implode explodes. You see a mushroom cloud. Almost the entire squad gone, wiped out. 
Uh, they come out of the edge, and finally the boat's out, and they're thinking, yay, we're free. You hear a TIE fighter. And then out of nowhere, you hear a TIE fighter, and uh, apparently moths are trained by the same guys that stormtroopers are trained by, and their TIE fighters are trained by me. Um, so, you know, they came by, they swooped down, and they completely missed. Well, it's just the one that's good. And Moff, Moff Gideon completely missed, and so he comes around for a second pass. He and won't they, miss a second time. And he they agree goes, that they got to do something. And, and, and Nando's like, I'm not an option. Throws the pack throws on. Throws pack on. And blasts off as he right. just gets close enough. And somehow miraculously... Hooks, hooks himself onto the TIE fighter. But, but you, you forgot one important part. What's that? The Moth and the Mando locked eyes. Oh, yeah. They did, yeah. He yeah. had that, like, <clears throat> stare down. Like, like, like they knew this was going to happen between the two of them. Well, and then I, th- I loved uh, Creed's response, too, is, you know, just have the George do his little hand thingy. <laughs> do the little and George hand is going, eh. like, like, goes, So, Aah! again, another moment where there's some good comedy thrown in in the middle of, like, a very tense situation. So the Mando hooks himself on. He he blows off the one wing. Well, he first um, tries to use a charge shot, and he gets blown he does, back and drops it. Again, he, I'm just conjecturing here. Blows off the one wing. TIE Fighter goes down. Mando goes off. Meets with... Creed and uh, Kara, and they decide he's going to go off and do his thing. They're going to stay here on the planet, rebuild the guild, uh, and Mando goes to the Razor Crest, and they take off. And he buries Quill. And he buries Quill. And meanwhile, uh, the big kind of, I guess the teaser, the I don't know what you want to call we, it, as at the, the end, ship takes off. as the ship's taking off, uh, all of a sudden, as Jawas are picking up pieces from the TIE Fighter, a dark saber cuts through. The TIE Fighter, and out comes Moff Gideon, and now we know Moff Gideon has the... Dark Saber. Dark Saber. The one and only Dark Saber that only Mandos are supposed to have, and only ruling Mandos are supposed to have. And so that kind of left everything on a gigantic cliffhanger, as it were, for season two. And then it's all of a sudden seen... I think I got it all right. Yeah. I think I missed too much. The only thing I missed was there was a couple of Jawas I said, they were saying, ship, 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 ship. Okay. No, there's two Jawas that go, who was that masked man? Yeah. <laughs> and he rides away on Tonto. <laughs> Silver. 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 Silver so, uh, what was your guys' favorite part of this episode? IG-11 had IG-11. to be the best part. He, he. Though we had these tense moments where we didn't know if we were going to win, IG-11 just appears out of nowhere and just talks blunt. Very okay. much like, the hallway is secure for the moment. <laughs> like... You'd expect that of a robot, but this is where it was perfectly placed in the right place. He seems to have some humor for a robot, and that's oh, kind yeah. of surprising. Gary, what was your favorite part? Uh, the, the the armor, and and uh, Gideon when he was uh, walking through all the firefight, just, and not getting shot. Yeah, well, just not even reacting to anything going on around him. Being Stonewall Jackson, just, just and, looking straight at the yeah. mantle, and uh, it was his whole determined. As dumb as it is, my favorite part is the freaking scout troopers at the beginning. <laughs> And I'll tell you why. It, it reminded me of troops. I almost wonder if, to a small extent, if Favreau and Watiti were giving troops kind of a little mini Star Wars homage in that moment. Just a kind of little hat tip to the guys who made troops to say, hey, we see you, we do you one better, and good job, guys, because that was funny when you did troops. We're going to do it with some scout troopers and make it just as fun. I was going to say, when you have the thing like Moff Gideon just decides to kill all of the guys that were in town just to prove a point. Gideon's trying to prove that he's a badass and 
it's kind of seen as a bad comedy thing. For I him. just thought it was funny, and I can't believe people went as crazy as they did about them hitting a fake creature that doesn't exist in a universe that's not I mean, real. You had whatever. Mail, yeah. It was funny, and I'm sorry, but you know, Jason Sudeikis should not have gotten hate mail for that. Number one, oh. uh, and number two, uh, it was funny. I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. That was funny, and you oh. need to all get over yourselves if you think you're going to take it that seriously. Um, it was a fairly serious episode, but it needed some of that humor injected into it to kind of break it up. Otherwise, this whole episode could have been seemed very heavy from beginning to end. Otherwise, uh, gloom and doom, right? Gloom and doom, and you had to it, break that gloom and doom it, it up just a little. Felt bit. a bit too much of Dark Knight esque. Really, if you take all the humor out of all the little parts of this episode, it would be just way too dark. I just really would have. It would have reminisced a. It would have reminisced a Dark Knight Rises comic book. Yeah, would have felt really like would've. that. Or something worse. Is there anything that could have been improved on this episode? They didn't have to kill IG-11. Yeah. I agree. Um, it's kind of hard to see IG-11 go, and now I'm kind of like, now we're missing that character later on. He was kind of a cool character. I was actually kind of starting to enjoy IG-11. Well, not only that, but he also brought, uh, I guess, the humanity out of uh, Mandel. Yeah, yeah. true. Because he hated droids until... Yeah, all of a sudden he had to trust a droid. Right. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Not necessarily anything. I was a little sad to see Quill go too. I yeah. hate to say that, but that I was, was kind of hoping. Episode two. I know, but I I was kind of hoping to see Quill make it through into season two. I really was. Uh, so you know, I'm a little sad to see both of them go. I kind of agree with you on that one, Gary. Any other things that you guys didn't like about this episode? Mm. And this might be just nitpicking. I feel like the amount of troops that was from the last episode to this episode diminished. Yeah, I felt like there were less guys in because the square for some reason. From... When the square thing happened and he yeah. launches the bike, I swear he takes out ten guys with the bike. Yep. If and then there's only like full... ten guys left. <laughs> if you had, well, it looked like thirty. Right. If you're having what four platoons, how many people are in four platoons? Right. Well, that's or if not more. I mean, remember they had to bring a whole troop transport in the last episode just to get them all off. And you right? have this running shot where they're just getting off right, the transport right. one after the no, other. I'll agree with you on that. It's like the numbers all of a sudden <laughs> diminished. Like all of a sudden they had like you know like enough stuntmen, and then they were like, oh, we couldn't work with them today. We don't, so. we don't have the budget to keep them yeah. here. Yeah. All right, uh, Gideon decided so he's gonna ha half the guys went home. Guys, sorry, we couldn't afford them. No <laughs> commenting. No, look presents. Yeah, the other half one was out in the, the caves there. <laughs> right, yeah. All I was going to say is... um, yeah, They got killed off screen. <laughs> Didn't you hear the Wilhelm scream? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Gary and I were on the same wavelength there. Okay, so let's rate this one. Again, zeros don't bother, tens a must-see. And just thinking about the fact that this is the last episode of the first season. So anybody want to go first or you want me to go first? I don't care. Awesome, go ahead. I'm giving it a solid nine. Okay. I know it's a bit high for somebody who would think this. It left a perfect cliffhanger. The humor worked. The action was thrilling. A little nitpicky on the numbers disappearing. And maybe over pe people getting overworked over something that is really minutia. Okay. Like the scout to knees are upside down. Who gives a crap? Um, a that was people, the last episode. Yeah. No? Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually would give this one a 10. Oh. I loved this episode. It it made it not only reinvigorated me about Star Wars in general, but it made me realize, hey, not only are these guys doing a good job, they are doing an amazing job on this TV show. Um, they came in from an episode that had a lot of angst that they left us with, and quite honestly, they left us with angst again, and they made me want a second season and even a third season of The Mandalorian just because of how well-produced 
some of these episodes were. And this episode in particular really just kind of, from beginning to end, just had you, like, there was not a moment where I wasn't into what was going on. You know, and Eric always talks about, you know, you don't want those moments to take you out of the Star Wars universe. This one I felt so enthralled into the Star Wars universe that uh, I felt like I was watching, you know, Empire Strikes Back again as a kid. That's kind of how I felt. Talking so that's why I gave like it a 10. conveyance. The yeah. way it's perceived in the world and how it works out. Yep. Yeah. Gary, what would you give it? Nine. Cool. Wow, we're all pretty high here. Yeah. Go ahead, um, Gary. Nothing really nitpicky about anything. It's just, I just can't give it a 10. Yeah. I never see anything as perfect. There's always room for improvement. Um, like yeah, I said, 10, though, uh, I think has room for improvement, but... Like I said, I don't think they sh- they had to kill IG Eleven. Yeah, I understand why they did. It, yeah, it it felt like a forced hero sacrifice to right. an extent. A, yeah, a martyr sacrifice. You're saying, yeah. you're saying that, uh, or I should say, Eric says that you shouldn't have something that pulls you out of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I was pulled out of the Star Wars universe right at the beginning of the of the whole series because of the comedy and the Scout Trooper thing. No, no, I mean the whole series. Not, not this, oh, the whole series. This episode. All right. I'm looking at it as what Favreau says it is. A Western in space. Right. That, that's how I see this whole thing. But then again, I don't, don't you think Star Wars is kind of a Western in space, too? No. Considering it's built off of Kurosawa and the Mag 7 are built off of Kurosawa. Yeah. It's, I it's, see them as parallels. Well, I, I see it more of uh, Seven Samurais more so than the okay. uh, Mag 7. All right. I see Star Wars but, as a but, whole. Which this series, they could do the Mag 7. Oh, absolutely. And, and, they, and do it justice. They did absolutely they did in one of the episodes. Didn't not anyway. really. I, not quite. Not you're, quite. You're not. talking about the one with the walker? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see that as quite the Mag 7 thing. Yeah, I don't see that as Mag 7. I see no. that more of uh, the uh, Red Eye from Battlestar Galactica. Right, right. I agree with you, Gary, where they're just so. training the average person to fight back, and right. that's really all it was. It's not it, it not making farmers fighters, which is what Mag 7's really more about. Right, even Southern Samurais was the same thing. Right. Okay. Right. right. Okay, so those were our thoughts on this episode of The Mandalorian and our, our three articles at the beginning of the episode. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us uh, via our email, gauscast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. So go ahead and search for us there. We are on YouTube. You can go comment there if you'd like. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you there. And we are on Spotify now and iHeartRadio and all sorts of great apps out there. Um, and I'm working on putting us in some other ones too. So we're, we're working on expanding our horizons. So as we like to say here in the Star Production Studios, May, may the, the Force be with those who listen. Jedi Killing Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You've failed me for the last time. And look for the GalaxyCast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.